Bacon! In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, he has trouble with the snap. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. Here we go. It is a Monday. Glad to have you back with us here. Manic Monday, Magnificent Monday. Call it what you want, depending on your perspective. I said Magnificent Monday, maybe. If you uh, like the Kansas City Chiefs and had them on a money line, then it's magnificent. Manic, maybe, if you gave up the five and a half or whatever. You know, depends on who you had over the weekend. That's why I love here in Vegas, and especially when we talk about sports betting, that, uh, you know, yeah. What kind of weekend, weekend did you have? Well, it depends who covered and who didn't cover for you. But... I'll tell you what it's Manic Monday about. World Cup started today. Now, you know my allegiances really are not for Team USA, even though I'd like to see Team USA do well. But, man, did Team USA blow a golden opportunity today. World Cup started. First match was yesterday with the home squad, Qatar, facing Ecuador. Ecuador won 2-0. But today, it really got going. You know, the host nation always opens play, and no one is thinking anything is going to happen with Qatar. I, I personally don't think they'll score a goal. They won't score a goal. They don't even deserve to be in the tournament, but that's that's for a terrible Tuesday. All right? We'll get to that tomorrow. But uh, the World Cup in full regalia, underway today, and what happens? USA opens against Wales today. <laughs> Match just concluded a little while ago. USA jumped out ahead 1-0. They completely dominated the flow of the game, the play of the game, controlled possession, possession nearly 70% that they had. Unbelievable. And then could not get more than one goal. And then with about 10 minutes to go, Wales gets a penalty. USA commits a penalty in the box. Wales converts in the penalty kick. Ties it at one. We had up to 10 minutes of injury time. USA could not punch another goal across. Final score today in Qatar, the opener of the World Cup. USA and Wales draw at one goal apiece. Embarrassing. Now, this is the first time that USA has been in the World Cup for eight years. All right. They still have one of the youngest rosters, but it's probably one of America's opportunities in recent times that that they should do well, uh, especially in this group. And you have a team like Wales, who's not very good, void of scoring. And have been here a lot less to the World Cup stage than the United States, even though the United States hasn't been here for the past two cups, so the past eight years. 
but just downright awful to blow a lead against Wales and to end up a draw. Now, the first match of group play in World Cup is crucial. The teams that win the opening match, 90% of the time, they go head to the knockout stage, okay, the round of 16. So for those that aren't familiar, 32 teams, all right, you have the groups of, of four, okay? So you got eight groups of four. There you go. There's your math number, Chuck. Eight times four is 32. So Team USA is in there with England, Iran, and Wales. Now, you should have two gimmies with Wales and Iran. You really should. England, that's going to be the match. And that's their next match on Friday. So USA came out fired up today, played with a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, and like I said, dominated the play, especially in the first half. It could only get one goal. And then they give up a penalty, and they end up with a draw. So that is really going to hurt them. They had an opportunity to come away with three points for a victory today, and they could not get the job done. Wales, their fans, they're ecstatic that they came away with the draw against Team USA. And now it's going to get much harder for Team USA going forward because now you really are are lacking your confidence, and you feel like you lost. Even though you drew 1-1 today, you feel like you've lost because you only have those three matches. And one of them, you're probably going to get drilled against England. Now, they'll show up. They'll play hard. England is one of those teams that you don't know exactly what you're going to get. England opened up up, opened up against Iran earlier today. England won 6-2 to over Iran. Iran stinks. All right. Um, not as bad, obviously, as the host nation, Qatar. But... This is a, a, a brutal, brutal blow for the United States to come away the draw after leading this game and playing as well as they did. So uh, World Cup is here. Uh, love it. Enjoy it. This is totally strange because normally the World Cup is every four years during the summer. It's not in November, and it's certainly not in the Middle East, let alone Qatar. So... If you could block out all the nonsense that has happened with this whole fiasco going back 12 years ago when Qatar was awarded uh, this World Cup tournament and all the construction and all the, and we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks, um, just the slave labor they've had. Uh, they've built some, some fantastic venues, but. I don't know what's going to happen with these venues, just like we see with the Olympic Games uh, after this is over, because these facilities aren't aren't going to be used again. But uh, it's a travesty that you know you're competing against football, the NFL, college football, college basketball, NBA to in hockey to a lesser degree. But uh, it's tradition that you have the World Cup during the summer months. And you don't have it in the Middle East. First time it's ever been in the Middle East. And obviously first time in Qatar. So we put all that aside. The games should be good. But you just don't know what's going to happen You know, here uh, playing at this time of year. Playing in the hot 
weather conditions. Do you know when this game started? Local Qatar time? No, it's 11 a.m. Pacific time here in the United States here, here on the West Coast, right? Yeah. Do you know what time it was in, not in a, Qatar? Not a clue. Do you don't have a clue? Qatar, Qatar, what's, I, yeah. I don't know. 10 p.m. Oh. 10 p.m. Going ahead. Who starts a match at 10 p.m. at night? Now, if anyone you would think may have a little advantage, maybe it's the United States, because all these other countries, it'd be like, you know, six in the morning. It's, it's weird. I mean, playing in November, having these late start times. Yeah. We have an 11 hour difference from the Pacific time zone to Qatar, Qatar. And the reason why I say Qatar, Qatar, because it's proper to say both. I usually say Qatar, but people also say Qatar. Whatever it is, it's a mess. So what are you doing Wednesday, 5 a.m.? Uh, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I have my my uh, VTR, whatever you want, my recorder, my re- TiVo, whatever you want to call it. You're recording? I'm recording 5 a.m. Germany and Japan. Okay. That's what Just I'm making sure. I'm recording. Now, I'm still on the fence whether I'm going to get up and watch it live. But I'm thinking if I tell everybody, especially you, well, I probably <laughs> don't have to worry about you because you'll probably be asleep, but... I'm thinking sleeping in until about 7, 7, 38, like I normally do, right? And then just having my phone off so no one blows it for me. No spoil alert, okay? Because you would do that to me. I wouldn't and do then, that at all. So I'm thinking about getting up because the match will be over about 7, right? So 7, 38, I think I'm going to watch it and just not talk to anybody, not turn on my phone and watch it like it's in real time. Wednesday, 5 a.m. weather time? 70 degrees. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which will be uh, 4 p.m. Qatar time. Oh, so it's 4 p.m. Yeah, so it's oh, 11 hours ahead. It's 80. It'll be 80 on oh, the... Oh, yeah. There It'll you be go. perfect. Yeah, there you go. What, what, what are you now? Our, our Qatar weatherman? Local Qatar yeah, weatherman. Yeah. Qatar meteorologist? Yes. Yes. What do you got? You got the green screen in front of you and saying, yeah, we've got a warm front coming in, not a cold front because we don't even know what cold is. Yes. There's a 3% chance of rain. Oh, really? Yeah. Three. It never rains there. Exactly. (sighs) Qatar. This seems, this is weird. November World Cup, but I'm glad because I'll watch it. But yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I already got, I already got my calendar laid out, brother. I figured you I already did. got it. 5 a.m. Saturday morning, uh, rather uh, Wednesday morning, it's Germany and Japan. All right. Then we go to Sunday at 11 a.m., right? I've got to battle the NFL. Do you know what is happening Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific time? 10 p.m. Qatar time? Do you know what is happening? Would that be? I, I'm guessing another German game. Germany against Spain. Ooh. Yes, Germany against Espana. Espana. What will I be watching? NFL or Germany and Espana? You'll be. How about this? I can bet you a hundred bucks you'll be watching football. Uh, <laughs> this is true. Ring it up. I'll be watching football. That's it. And I'm one of the few that actually calls it football as well. You know, soccer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. And then I got the following. What Tuesday? Following Wednesday. No, actually, it's Tuesday. Uh, Germany um, battling their 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 walkthrough, their walkover uh, at that point in time. Whoever it is, Morocco or whoever, for, forget about it. Yeah, there it is. So they've already had one game, didn't they? Didn't they no, play? No, no, no. Today was for, today was the first 
day of all the action. So their group doesn't start until Wednesday. Because I see an Oman. That was that was their last uh, friendly. friendly. Okay. That was last week. Okay. Yeah. They beat Oman one nil. One nil. Yeah. There you go. See, I, I'm a, okay. don't mess with my German team. Not, there it is. Yeah, no. Now, so Wednesday, because I'll be seeing you after the show. This the show. Yeah. Win, lose, or draw, I will have my Germany shirt on. Okay. All right. But it won't be the Qatar World Cup because someone still hasn't delivered that to me yet. Who would that somebody be? Yeah, those ham and eggers over in England and Florida and wherever else. Now, the breaking news is I did enter into Paul Buck Power Stewart's World Cup pool. So he's busting my chops saying, hey, you got to get it in. I said, hey, well, I'm still doing my homework here. And you didn't do it, did you? You don't do no. the March Madness. I try to get you involved with everything, you know, and then, and there's, you have no excuse for not getting in Paul Buck Power Stewart's World Cup. You're supposed to be representing the show here because there's no entry fee. It's hold, free. Hold you don't I, win I, nothing I'm like either. that. I'm like that friend that is brought to the party. Yeah. I wasn't invited by Buck Power. Yes, you were because you got the same facebook messenger that i got it went to both of us going back about I, two weeks ago and he gave it gave you the link and he went on this big old long dissertation about how he does this every cup and ba 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 you got it you got it do 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 yeah you're not the friend of the party and you oh, and you're the friend that go oh oh let me no, hear it. oh yeah you no. got it yeah then i forward it to you but you got it Okay, but still, you forwarded it to me. I think he gave it to both of us because he's always communicating with both of us. I know. So anyway, there you go. And so, of course, Buck Power sends me. He goes, oh, if USA hangs on 1-0, he goes, G guess who's going to be 4-0 to start with? Our good friend in Florida. Well, not so fast, my friend, because guess who had USA and Wales in a draw? Huh? Yours truly. There you go. How about a little love there? Yeah, I had a feeling that USA would just fall apart, that they would choke it away. They did. They did. All right. Here's your World Cup update. We'll be talking World Cup. All right. Today on the show, Chuck Esposito will join us a little bit later on from Red Rock. Of course, there is plenty of World Cup betting, as Jay Cornegay at the Westgate, the Superbook, told us a Friday show. Tons of people betting on the World Cup, despite it being in November and competing against the NFL and college football. All right. Also today, Matt Hole will join us from U.S. Integrity. Talk to him about betting on both sides of the counter. And then coming up very, very shortly, the quarterback. I've got to be careful. Which quarterback? Jay Schrader joins us as we talk Raiders, victory over the Broncos, as well as everything else that took place in the NFL. And UNLV not being bowl eligible. That's really a terrible Tuesday story. Losing to Hawaii over the weekend. All right, but let's talk Raiders. Let's start with this, all right? Raiders get the much-needed win over the Broncos yesterday, 22-16. to It looked like it was going to be the same old, same old thing for the Raiders for much of this game. Actually, it was until the final play of the game in overtime. The only time the Raiders had the lead was in the final play of the game when they got the touchdown from... Derek Carr to Devontae Adams. Prior to that, Denver had the better of it. Russell Wilson was pretty sharp. 24 for 31, 247 yards, but no touchdowns for Russell Wilson. But Denver did what bad teams do, and that is they choke, they fall apart, 
They let opportunities get away from them. This game, now if Raider fans are jumping up and down being excited, I'm going to try to squash your enthusiasm. I'm going to curb your enthusiasm is what I'm going to do for Raider fans. Yes. But I'll get to that later. The good and the bad of this game. The good for the Raiders, Josh Jacobs had 109 yards, 24 carries. Devontae Adams had 141 yards, game-winning touchdown. Had two touchdowns on the day. Seven receptions. The bad? The Raiders were 3-for-11 on third down. Denver, equally as bad. 3-for-12. Raiders, nine penalties for 98 yards. Again, and there's some crushing penalties, including one by Devontae Adams as well, too. But the win was good for the Raiders. They got the win. They improved to 3-6. and six, Beat Denver for the second time this year. They've owned Denver going back over the last four or five years. They've now won seven of the last eight games against the Broncos. First time the Raiders won a close game all season long. First time in seven of those such games. That's right. As we know, coming into it, they were 0-6 in, in one-score games. But it was the Broncos. But to look at the glass half full and, you know, the bright side, the Raiders got a much-needed victory. Here's Josh McDaniels talking about how he saw the game unfold. Hard-fought game. Uh, they, you know, they're that's a tough team. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, their defense really does a good job of limiting your opportunities. Um, you know, every yard you make is a hard yard. And thought they got off to a good start. You know, Russell was really, um, you know, I don't know how many incompletions he had in the first half, but it wasn't many. You know, he was hitting a bunch of them and, um, yeah, two. Yeah. So it wasn't many. So, um, you yeah, know, just a typical division road game, you know, and, I'm um, really proud of our team, uh, hung in there, you know, got the ball back there with a minute, something left, and then we're able to make a, a couple big plays there with Keelan and Josh and, uh, get down there and Daniel makes the field goal. And then uh, finally AJ Cole called heads and we won a coin toss, I think for the first time all year. So, um, you know, and then guys made great plays in overtime and, um, you know, this team has worked really hard and, uh, they got a great spirit about them and, uh, really, you know, uh, proud of, of the effort that they put in this whole entire week. Um, you know, locked out all the distractions and just focused on the game and thought they competed really hard for, for 60 plus minutes today. All right. Uh, Raiders got the victory. Josh McDaniels talking about it. The two big plays in this game, though, were in the overtime and the overtime didn't start off really well as, Josh Jacobs was thrown for two losses. But then Carr went back to pass, found Foster Moreau in overtime. We hadn't run it before, um, you know, and I just felt like they would, they were, they were focused a lot of attention on Tay as, as everybody does. And, um, you know, just you were hoping for a chance at a chunk play, you know, because, um, you know, in order to score uh, in overtime, you know, you're thinking you're probably going to need to have a couple, you know, chunkers in there at some point. And, uh, and Foster made a great read on the play. Derek, I thought, made a really good throw. And then Foster, you know, ran with it after the ball. But um, the offensive line probably needs to be acknowledged. You know, they uh, Colton being out and shuffled Jermaine over there to the left. And then Thayer played the whole time on the right. And um, I thought they did a decent job of giving Derek some time there, especially in overtime. All right, Josh McDaniels talking about that play when Foster Moreau covered up the ball, got down the middle of the field, uh, got the Raiders into scoring position, 
But then the next play turned out to be the game winner, Derek Carr to Devontae Adams. Here's Josh McDaniels talking about that play. We had to actually run a few things similar to that during the course of the game. And, um, I think we hit him on a crossing route in the first quarter, maybe or second quarter, um, you know, on it. And then we had a couple options off it. So thought he made a great read and Derek made a great read. And, um, you know, it's hard to get open like that in the NFL unless you, you know, do some things a little differently. So, um, credit goes to those guys. All right. You know, you can say what you want about Carr and Adams and Moreau and those plays, but the Raiders don't get this victory if it wasn't for one Max Crosby. Heck, the Raiders wouldn't have three victories if it wasn't for Max Crosby. Here's McDaniel's thoughts on his defensive end. He was pursuing Russell, you know, as much as he could in the pass rush, and then I thought he was really active uh, at the point of attack in the running game and also ran a few plays down from behind. Um, it just gives tremendous effort on every on every play, you know, and – I thought he got it out of his teammates too. You know, I think that's something that um, I thought our captains were phenomenal this week and uh, pushed our group. And, um, you know, I think they, they got the response they were looking for. All right. Uh, Devontae Adams had a huge game, as we know in this game. And uh, Devontae talked a little bit about the Raiders getting back to having some fun. Yeah, man, just not panicking, you know, uh, just taking a deep breath in between plays and just resetting because I feel like a lot of guys – you know, make it more than what it what it is in certain situations, and that's why the execution isn't as you know the it's not at a high level the way that it maybe would be throughout the, the throughout the regular season or the regular part of the game. So, you know, just just taking a quick step back and just you know locking in on your assignment and just capitalizing on the you know we still could have done better than that a little earlier on, especially some of the drives that we had and our defense stepped up and did a good job, but. You know, that's what we talk about. The One of the biggest things that we've been emphasizing lately is just getting back to having a lot of fun out there. And, uh, you know, I've definitely seen it. There was a sense of urgency this week in practice that was uh, – it was, it was our, easily our, our best week of practice as far as just the, you know, being mentally tapped in and, you know, guys competing and, and all that stuff from top to the bottom. So that's what we need. All right, Devontae Adams uh, speaking after the game yesterday. And, again, we talk about the play that set that up. The car to Moreau play. Here's Adam's thoughts on how big that play was. That set it up. You know, I'll, they'll, they'll talk about the, the last play and stuff like that, but, you know, and, and I think it was the very next play too, you know, so that just shows how, um, you know, sometimes we can have struggles and then, you know, big, big time playmaking is contagious. And we talk about that all the time, you know, getting somebody, getting that spark, getting it going. Cause, you know, we had plenty of opportunities throughout the game and we didn't hit, you know, the, the, the big home run every time. So, you know, when I see that, that fires me up. And then, you know, it obviously fires coach up. Great call. You know, we communicated on the sideline about, you know, what was the best, you know, based off how they were playing the whole game, what was the best, um, you know, concept or, or way to run the route to, uh, to, to have success and to be open. And, you know, that's, that's what we need. We need great communication between, you know, all the players, coaching staff, everybody, and then just go out there and execute it. All right, uh, the Raiders uh, have that, everything set up for them as we get ready to to win that game there. And the Foster Moreau catch was huge. Like we said, I mean, the first play, first two plays of overtime, they tried to run the ball, couldn't get anything. Moreau gets open over that Denver secondary, and it really set up the game-winning touchdown from Carr to Adams. Fake to Jacobs. Carr loads up. Adams is open. Walk-off touchdown. A sweep of the Broncos for Las Vegas. 
There it is, Mark Schlereth, uh, the former Bronco himself there uh, on the uh, on the Fox broadcast there yesterday. All right, back to Devonta Adams talking about what was the key to getting so open on that play? Just selling. I mean, a lot of route running is really just about, um, you know, the sameness within each route. You know, if they see something that was very similar. Um, so I try to give a look that basically – um, you know, that's why he ended up diving over the top the way that he did. He thought he was on top of the, you know, he thought he had a, a jump on it basically. And, uh, you know, based off of what I seen earlier, I mentioned the coach, I think we could be able to do this and, you know, um, you know, obviously not force anything, but if, if it presents itself, we, we'd have a home run. And sure enough, as soon as I go inside, he, he starts, you know, flying over the top. And, um, as soon as I saw him go, I just said, please God. Give that man some time back there, a little, little bit of time. I don't need much right now, but a little bit of time. And as soon as I looked, I saw the ball go up, and it was a touchdown. It was a touchdown, and the game winner for the Raiders, they win 22-16, to courtesy of Devontae Adams. And uh, talk a little bit about the celebration after that play. Well, it felt amazing. Um, I did save Derek a little bit. He uh, He almost pulled us into the wrong tunnel. He was, he was, he was a little excited and, and I was like, yeah, we, I'm excited too, but we gotta go this way, wrong tunnel. And then we had a little powwow and, uh, you know, with the whole squad over there. So it was, uh, it was cool. All right. Devontae, I was talking about the celebration afterwards. Uh, the final play of the game. Uh, the Raiders were right there by the tunnel. Talk a little trash, having a little fun, exited uh, right away, and uh, Devontae having a little fun with uh, Derek Carr because Derek Carr was saying, "Hey, that's uh, you know, let's get out of here, let's get out of here," and he goes, "That's that's the wrong tunnel." Then when Derek Carr was asked about that afterwards, he was saying, "Well, he goes, that's that's the tunnel we got dropped off with the bus, so you know we could have gone that way, but uh, Derek wanted to downplay it." All right, speaking of Derek Carr. Here's Carr talking about finally getting a win, especially after a very, very emotional week. We've been so close so many times. Uh, I mean, y'all know you've been watching us the whole time. And and we're a few plays there, a few plays there. And um, I think our guys learned how hard it is, you know. Like, this is the kind of effort and strain it takes. Uh, you know, Josh did a great job of helping minimize, you know, certain things to help us as a team and just to help us be better and um, – you know, and that, that's a big loaded question. I wouldn't write about it. You know, there's so much in that, you know, but I'm just saying, like, I think that we all found a way, um, to play better, to do our job, um, at a high level. And it won't be perfect. We're going to turn the film on. I'll be corrected. Taylor will be corrected. Everyone will be corrected. And, uh, I think that that's the culture that we want to, uh, you know, believe in. And it's culture that Josh brings. It's awesome. You know, like, he hasn't changed and he won't change when we watch the film after this, you know. Uh, he's going to be the same. And I think that's something that we appreciate, but I think it's something that guys are learning that, man, if I, man, if I really just do A, B, and C when I'm asked every week, man, we have a chance to win. And then it comes down to just making the plays at the end. And, um, that ultimately comes down to just do your job. Take a breath, like Tay was talking about. Take a breath. The situation doesn't matter. What matters is you do your job, you know. So when you turn the tape on. So I think, um, the feeling in there is a result of so much, um, so much work, right? Our owner came out and said, guys, trust the process, you know, however he wants to say it, you know, that's how I, I'm a, you know, Embiid fan, so I always think about that, you know, but, you know, trust the process, you know, it didn't, it's not going to get done in one day, but hopefully we're taking steps in the right direction so that, you know, there isn't, you know, new players and new coaches every two or three years here, you know, you were trying to sustain something here and hopefully guys um, see that, man, when we do those things right, that it leads to victories and feeling that way. Okay. 
All right, uh, Derek Carr after the victory. All right, here from Josh McDaniels, Devonta Adams, and Derek Carr. Yes, the win is good for the Raiders, but very easily it could have been another loss for the Raiders. It's kind of hard to get excited about winning this game because it was Denver. It was a team that you're supposed to beat, a team that you've owned. You beat them rather handily going back to early on in the season. Again, now you've the Raiders have beaten the Broncos seven of the last eight times. The three and six. The Raiders still have second worst record in all of football. Think about that. Houston Texans are one, eight, and one. Raiders are three and six. The Broncos are three and six. And the Raiders still haven't beaten anyone of significance. They have three victories against two teams. The Broncos. And the Texans, they trailed the entire game against the Broncos yesterday. Mentioned the overtime. They won the coin flip. First two plays, dreadful. Then they get the big play to Moreau, and then Devontae Adams gets by Patrick Sertan because he tried to play hero for the Broncos, gambled and lost. And the veteran Adams burned him. They trailed the entire game against the Broncos. They never led the game. They tied it on three occasions, but they never led. So it's hard to get excited if you're a Raider fan because you're not going to the playoffs. You haven't beat anyone with a winning record. And you've only beaten two teams all year. Three wins, two teams after nine games. Melvin Gordon fumbled at the end of the first half at the goal line of the two-yard line. What happened after that? The Broncos recovered, were forced to try a field goal. The score was 10 to 7 at that point in time. The Raiders blocked the field goal, and that was 10-7 at halftime. Denver should have led 17 to 7 if Gordon doesn't fumble the ball and walks in. Worst case scenario, they hit the field goal, it's 13 to 7. It's a whole different ball game at 10 7 than it is 13 7 or 17 to 7. So the point of the matter being the Raiders may not have come back after that. May not have come back. Down 10 at halftime. But Denver killed themselves. And what does Melvin Gordon get for his Time for that? He gets released. Gets cut today. Melvin Gordon fumbles in the first half. Basically, the Denver brass said, okay, you cut your... Because that's all he does. I should say that's all he does. But he has fumbled so many times for this team. He was the leading rusher for the Broncos, but didn't even have over 400 yards on the season. Under 400 yards. Melvin Gordon released today. Probably because of that fumble. Bronco fans wanted to win. Nathaniel Hackett wanted to win this game because they outplayed the Raiders for the better part of this game. And Russell Wilson was the best that we've seen him all year. And what do they get at the end? Still, nothing. No victory as they lose a game to the Raiders. All right, next up for the Raiders, they go to Seattle. That game 
you had that circled going back six, seven, eight weeks ago, thinking, okay, that's a win for the Raiders because Seattle's supposed to be awful. Well, Seattle looks like a playoff team right now, playing some great football. They had a bye last week. So that will not be easy. Then the next week, Raiders come back home to Allegiant Stadium. They got the Chargers. Chargers are getting better and better every week. We'll talk about the Chargers-Chiefs game last night, a game that the Chargers probably should have won that game. The schedule does not get any easier for the Raiders moving forward. But they did get a victory. Raider fans can be happy. But man, not a very good performance again by either team yesterday in Denver. All right, we'll get Jay Schrader's thoughts when we come back. The former Raiders quarterback, he will join us. We'll talk Raiders, we'll talk NFL, and a whole lot more. Like I said, next hour, Chuck Esposito, Matt Holt will join us. A lot of football talk on tap today here on this marvelous Monday. Hi, this is Lonnie Jordan from The Band War, and you are listening to T.C. Martin. And now I forgot what he told me to tell you. (laughs) He's lying to you all. He's lying. Yeah, a little Monday afternoon quarterback. So let's play a little Monday afternoon quarterback with an actual quarterback. We, we got plenty of those here. We got the rifle arm. All right. And uh, speaking of the rifle arm, remember, we've been talking about it all week, and uh, now is another good time to talk about it, that uh, the Raiders recipient, or I should say the nominee for the Salute to Service Award, is our good friend Jay Schrader. And you can go to NFL.com and vote. For Jay. That's right. Not vote for Pedro. Vote for Jay. There it is. I wonder if Jay will get that reference. Voting for Pedro. I don't know. I got it. I got it. (laughs) Now, the key is, do you have better moves than, say, Napoleon does? Absolutely not. No. (laughs) No. No. There's no dance moves left in this body. This body is just happy to get up and walk straight forward some days. I, I fail to believe that, man, because, you know, I mean, you've had a, you know, a, a pretty good bachelor life, you know, where you're going out and you're whining and dining the females or they're whining and dining you. And, you know, I, I see you out. I mean, you're out of restaurants, you're at places. You have to hit the dance floor every now and then. So I, I think you're downplaying your moves. Yeah, well, you haven't seen me on a dance floor for a reason. That's true. See, that <laughs> there's no video. There's yeah, there's no video proof of that at all. So uh, we just keep them guessing. That's the best way to do it. Keep them guessing. You know, you are probably the only guy that I know. All right, as a former athlete, that probably has better moves on a horse than they do on a dance floor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those are probably slim too. But you know, yeah, you, you got to do what you got to do at the point. So uh, I'm just very, very fortunate to be able to go out there and work with the horses. He's working with the horses. All right, as we know, Jay is a huge advocate for veterans and his charities, the Liberty Projects, out there at Shiloh Ranch, the headquarters, or Jay's commitment to supporting the military extends to his daily dealings out there. And he helps advocate and raise money for the charitable organization dedicated to the preservation and well-being of the veterans and, of course, the American Wild Mustangs, both which are so close to his heart. And uh, the ranch allows uh, for veterans an outlet to interact with horses and for training, (laughs) rehabilitation, and camaraderie. And uh, we know that uh, we've talked about it before, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's great. 
out there at Shiloh Ranch. And so Jay is uh, the Raiders nominee for the 2022 Salute to Service Award. You can vote daily at NFL.com. Just go ahead, scroll down, Salute to Service, and uh, give Jay your vote, as uh, many of our listeners have been doing, including me and Numchuck, man. We're voting for you daily, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. It's a very worthy cause. And, uh, you know, to support our military veterans, it's the least we can do to give back. That's for sure. You got it. All right, my friend. Well, let's talk a little about what our eyes saw yesterday. And uh, I know that you were in Provo, Utah on Saturday. So I don't know how much of the Raiders game you got actually got to see yesterday, Mr. Traveling Man. But uh, the Raiders did not lead this game until the last play of the game. They tied it on, on three different occasions, but they get the victory. And as I talked about last segment, Jay, it's just seen, I don't know how exciting Raider fans should actually be after this victory because it kind of seemed like Denver thoroughly outplayed them. Russell Wilson was pretty darn good himself, but you know, you have a, a fumble from Melvin Gordon. You got a block field goal credit to Max Crosby and the Raiders for that. But it just seemed like, okay, same old Broncos, but for a good part of this game, it was like same old Raiders too, wasn't it? Uh, it was. I actually got to see the fourth quarter in overtime, so I got to see the best part of the Raiders, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the comeback and everything else. But, um, yeah, they've got it, you know, it's great to get the victory, no question about it, and that'll go a long way in the locker room. Um, doing it, but uh, the big thing about the victory is they actually hit a couple of big plays late in the game, and that's what they've been lacking, you know, the big chunk plays down the field, and, uh, you know, they, they've got that, so now it's a question of can they build on that and get some momentum going and kind of get a get on a run here and, and win some football games, that's for sure. What have you noticed uh, looking at Derek, Derek Carr? I mean, let's just kind of synopsize the, the entire season, but uh, especially here the last few weeks. Well, I, I, the lack of big plays um, is is my big thing, and I've been saying this for a couple of weeks. You know, you've got you've got definitely you definitely have star talent on the Raiders. There's no question about it. But the stars haven't played like stars yet. They played good, but they haven't played like stars. Um, and they got these big contracts, and everybody is all excited at the beginning of the year because hey, we got these stars. Well. The stars haven't shown up and played like stars, um, so they got to get some big plays. You know, Devontae Adams had the big touchdown catch uh, at the end of the game and everything else. But um, overall, they're just not doing it consistently like they have prior years of their their careers. And um, I think that's different. They the talent. The talent is there. Have to play up to that. I think we lost Jay a little bit there. His phone started to break up a little bit. I I don't know if we need to get him. There you go. Okay, you're you're back, you're, you're back kind of there. I, I, I don't know. Uh-oh. Okay, a little bit better. I don't know if we have to get you off of the horse or or, or what. Or you know, <laughs> oh, I'm actually in Vegas. I should have pretty good reception. I don't understand. That was good. That was good. That was good. Okay, pick up where you're. Okay. Pick up where you left off there, partner. Oh, yeah, I was just saying the Stars just haven't played up to their star capability. Um, there's plenty of talent on the roster. They just haven't played like stars. They've played good, but they haven't played like stars. They've been missing the big play. How much of that is on the coaching? Now, we talk about Carr. We talk about the quarterback. We get that. But how much is, is on Josh McDaniels and whether it's lack of leadership or or just the scheme they're running? 
Well, I don't know how much is on the coaching. The only thing you can put on the coaching to me is are the guys thinking too much and not being able to react and play the way they're able to play. That's the question. You know, is there is there too much going on uh, as far as a thought process? Um, when you play football, once that ball snaps, man, it's it's got to be reaction and you got to go get it. Um, if you're thinking, you're going to be a step slow. So I don't know. I'm not there every day. I don't know what's all involved with it. But that's the only thing that really at this point in time the coaching can affect. You know, Jay, you talk about the, the Raiders – you know, aren't making the plays and they do have star quality. We know that, especially with Devontae Adams and Josh, uh, Jacobs. We got that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you got Max Crosby. Those guys are bona fide stars. We'll throw, I guess, Derek Carr in there as well, too. But after nine games, when you've got three victories and you really examine the three victories, you've only beaten two teams. You beat the Broncos twice, and you've had their number. Now you've won seven of the last eight times you face them. And then you beat the lowly Houston Texans 1-8-1 and one here. I, just, I, don't, I don't know how good that that really has, has got to feel. I know a win's a win, but you know why? I guess the big question, why? It has to be more than just, I mean, not making plays, right? I mean, you would think you would just you know, run into a, a, a few more victories here after nine games and only beating two teams. Well, you would think that, and if you and I could come up with that answer, we could make a lot of money, buddy. So, uh, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> you know, but that, that's on, you know, here's, here's the thing too. And, you know, the game of football is played by 22 human beings on the field at a time refereed by, you know, eight guys. It's not perfect, um, but you've got to go out and play. Who knows what the reason is on paper, Everything else, we all know the Raiders should be a whole lot better. It's just not, they're just not getting it done this year. So, uh, for whatever reason, they got to try to figure out the rest of the year how to make it work and how to, how to, how to get some victories uh, coming home towards the end of the season. Jay Schrader joins us talking about the Raiders' victory yesterday over the Broncos in overtime 22 to 16. So, next up for the Raiders, Jay, is Seattle, a team that I think has, has shocked a lot of us, uh, how they continue. Uh, to win here. And then here is a situation where you have a team in Seattle. No one really picked them to win more than four or five games. I mean, they had one of the lowest totals at the sports book as far as, uh, you know, total victories, you know, in the future, you know, odds here. But here is a team that is led by a veteran coach in Pete Carroll. You didn't know what you were going to get out of Geno Smith. I mean, this guy has just, you know, basically been a stopgap for the most of the time, or he's been a, a disappointing quarterback. How do you explain Seattle playing so well this year with virtually, I mean, hardly anyone left over from the Legion of Boom defensively and only just a couple guys, you know, left over, you know, from the offensive, uh, you know, teams, uh, the juggernaut teams they've had in years past? Well, here's how I explain it. You got a good bunch of guys up in Seattle that were either written off or saying they weren't good enough to play. They're playing loose and carefree and having a blast doing it. And Pete Carroll, for some reason, still thinks he's 23 years old, um, you know, running up and down the sidelines with his enthusiasm. Uh, and it's, it's contagious. Um, that gets, and you know, let's, let's be realistic. Geno Smith has had a career year and, Good for him. He's playing extremely well, and it's going to be a tough task for the Raiders to go up into Seattle. That's a tough place to play, and uh, they're facing a very good Seattle team, so uh, it'll be a challenge. 
You know, I think, you know, going back to the, the coaching here and here with the Raiders with Josh McDaniels, you know, a lot of the fans are saying, well, you don't see emotion out of him. And we don't know, you know, how good of a, a, a coach he really is. And they, they faced, you know, again, you know, all of this, uh, you know, turmoil, you know, this season and under achieving. And again, 0-6 before yesterday's game in one score games. Then on the flip side, you got a guy, like you said, Pete Carroll, not only is he a veteran, but he's an emotional guy. He's, he's a guy that is always connected with his players. As a player yourself, former player, I mean, did you play for coaches of, of that type of, uh, you know, that had that type of energy or that type of character uh, on both sides? The, the lack thereof with McDaniels and, and what you see with Pete Carroll here and how much of effect does that have on a team? Oh, it has an effect, but it can work both ways, okay? I, I mean, I, I had the opportunity to play for Joe Gibbs. Joe didn't show any emotion. Yeah. He just, you know, he stood on the sidelines and, and did his thing and, you know, made adjustments and all that. And then I played for Buddy Ryan, and we all know <laughs> Buddy's not afraid to show anything, right? Right. And, uh, you know, they were, they were both players' coaches, but they're done in different ways, and it's just a matter of how your team reacts. And I think there's still a feeling-out process um, with a lot of the guys here in Las Vegas that are, hey, this may be a little different than what we've had in the past. How are we, you know, how are we all doing it? And it's, and it's different for Josh, um, you know, stepping into being a head coach again. So um, I've seen both ways work. Both ways do work. Um, but your team, team's got to buy into it. And right now, I don't know if the Raiders are fully bought into the way Josh is doing things. Right. All right. Raiders get the victory against Denver yesterday. They face Seattle coming up this week. And in the look ahead, Jay, two weeks from now, where the Raiders will be back at home facing the Chargers team. And this Chargers team is, is finally starting to get a little healthy. Got Keenan Allen back yesterday. They gave the Chiefs all they could handle last night. And, and it was kind of strange because, you know, I heard a lot of Kansas City fans that were there last night, but I heard a lot of Charger fans as well, too. I just got a feeling that that fan base is starting to grow a little bit more with the Chargers there. And, you know, that does happen, as we know, when you win football games as well. But uh, give me your thoughts. I don't know if you got a chance to see much of that that game last night, but it was a fantastic game. And the Chargers kind of gave one away last night. But then again, you got to credit Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey for what those guys did in crunch time last night. But talk a little bit about the Chargers moving forward here. The Chargers are scary. They've got so much talent. Uh, Justin Aber, uh, they're throwing the ball. It's unbelievable. They can score on anybody, and they showed that last night. Um, you know, they're going to be a heck of a challenge. Yes, they're they're getting healthy. They're getting their wide receivers back. They're making plays all over the place. Um, that's going to be a very difficult game. No question about it. Uh, the the Raiders definitely have their hands a couple of weeks, and. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what's going on, and the fan base in LA should get excited. Chargers are playing well; they got young stars that are playing like stars, and it's exciting football. So, um, people should in LA should be excited about it. All right, and what about uh, another one of your former former franchises, the, this Washington team? Which I still want to say the Redskins, but I won't. Uh, but again, they got another victory yesterday. And, you know, Philadelphia almost lost, you know, back-to-back games, but they had to rally in the end. But when you look at the NFC East, Jay, Washington's right there. 
Yeah, Washington's there. They, their defense played exceptionally well yesterday, no question about it, uh, with a couple of tur- tur- turnovers and one for a pick six. So uh, anytime you get the defense to play that well uh, is very good. You know, just ask the Jets, right? If the Jets had a little bit of offense, they would have been in, <laughs> on the victory side too. But uh, it, it, all these teams, it, it's been a fun year because when we sat down and the schedule came out at the beginning of the year, you know, you're looking at teams and you're looking, hey, AFC West is going to be, every team's going to have a winner and all that. Well, that's not the case. Nobody expected the teams in the, the, the NFC East to all have winning records and they're all, you know, right there. So, uh, it's been a fun year and, you know, the NFL is the NFL. You've got 32, 32 teams. You've got the best athletes in the world. Uh, every year you're not sure what you're going to get or who's going to get it. And uh, it's fun to see guys rise up and play well and uh, get put challenges on other people. So uh, it's a lot of fun. But, um, you know, Chargers will be a big thing. Kansas City is going to be tough to stop. They just, they're just phenomenal, the talent that they have. Um, they just keep rolling. And I really like Andy Reid, the way he coaches. So uh, I'm a big Kansas City fan right now. Yeah, you got that right. All right, let's close with this, Jay. Uh, Jay, of course, you, you see him on part of the broadcast on Raiders uh, post-game coverage, uh, you know, on Channel 8 here locally. Also is doing a lot of college football, as we uh, uh, know, too. He was up in Provo, Utah, doing the BYU game uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, let's touch up real quick on UNLV. Uh, very disappointing again for this team. Uh, they started off, they were four and one. They need to win two of their final seven games just to become bowl eligible. That's not going to happen. And they've had a couple crushing defeats, uh, none bigger than what happened in Hawaii on Saturday night, Jay, where they lose to Hawaii. Hawaii has been downright dreadful. So another year that UNLV will not go bowling. What kind of job? Do you feel that Marcus Arroyo has done? You know, it's hard. I'm, I wish I was a little closer to it to give you more of an answer. Um, you would think um, that with the transfer portal coming up, things are going to turn around. This has got to be a place where kids have got to look and say, hey, this is somewhere to come play. They're playing in Allegiant Stadium. You're in Las Vegas. Um, so I... I think, you know, Marcus has done a good job. I wouldn't say, and he's not going to classify it as a great job, but I think you got to give him another year or two trying to get this recruiting with the transfer portal and see where they go. Um, the defeat Saturday to Hawaii, that was crushing. That was, that was a big blow that nobody expected that one. And that's the game that they, they should have won. No question. Yeah. Especially, you know, we talked about before that this is a down year for the Mountain West Conference. I mean, you don't have any, any juggernauts there. And then, you know, you look at, right. and you look at their, their neighbor, you know, battling for the Fremont Cannon coming up Saturday at Allegiant Stadium. I mean, UNLV is going to be probably a pretty heavy favorite, but boy, I mean, Reno has been very, very disappointing, uh, this year. You know, this is a two win team and I don't know what transpired over there, but when you look at college football in the state of Nevada, Jay, I mean, this is, it's one of the worst in a long, long time with both these schools. It really is. Nevada is a big surprise to me because Nevada has always been, you know, pretty powerful in this division and, uh, and in this conference. And I don't know exactly what happened, but, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. This new transfer portal and everything else. Um, a lot of these smaller schools are losing kids and, um, coaches are finding out that it's a brand new team every year and you got to try to figure out a way to quickly get them to gel. Um, so. I don't know what the state of college football is going to look like going forward with this transfer portal, you know, because 
if you're if you're at one of these smaller schools and you have a good year, you're going to jump to a bigger school. What does that lead? You know, these guys down below. So. It's an interesting time, no question about it. Yeah, we're seeing it in basketball, and we're seeing it in college football as well, too. My man, we'll let you uh, get back to it. We'll let you uh, you know, start practicing some of those uh, riveting uh, dance moves there. There you go, my friend. Hi, oh, I, yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah, I'll hit the... <laughs> there it is, Jay. There it is. A little Napoleon Dynamite yeah. for Jay Schrader. You got to love it. <laughs> Gotta love it, yeah. Well, I don't think Napoleon Dynamite dances in cowboy boots, so we got a little difference of opinion. There you go, man. All right, man. Go hit those spurs, baby. There it is. All right, brother. Uh, all right. Have a good one, bud. Take care, man. Appreciate you. There he is, Jay Schrader. Doing it all, man. The uh, former Raider, always at the Raider games. And again, he's broadcasting the, on the college football side as well, too. Just got done coaching uh, as well here in Las Vegas uh, as well, too, at the high school level. And, of course, vote for Jay. Jay's the Raiders nominee for the 2022 Salute to Service Award. Vote at NFL.com. Scroll down to Salute to Service. He is the Raiders nominee. So vote for him as a huge advocate for veterans and his charity with the Liberty Projects. Go check that out at libertyprojects.org. All right, we come back. We'll recap the entire weekend on the college and the NFL side with Matt Holt and Chuck Esposito. Feeling good on this Monday. Capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but! Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! Gol! Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro Iniesta! The doctor is now in. We'll be talking World Cup. Disappointing effort by Team USA today. A 1-1 draw to Wales. A match they thoroughly dominated. Controlled the possession. Over 60% possession. Gave up a penalty kick goal. Unbelievable. 1-1 draw. And now Team USA will face England in their next match on Friday. So, a lot of World Cup coverage, as you well know. Got it covered here, as well as everything else. Appreciate Jay Schrader joining us in our number one. Your Raider recap. You heard from Devontae Adams, Josh McDaniel, and Derek Carr as well, too. All of that stuff up on the website a little bit later on at tcmartinshow.com. What are you playing for me now? 
So this is a Let's go That was a World Cup song Everybody rise up Stand up It's that time Come on We got Portugal we got Mexico. Now, I don't think this is the like, official Brazil, World Cup song. I don't know where you came up with this. Germany. Uh, yeah, US Germany. There you go. Let's talk about the Bundesliga. Argentina, Australia. All right. Croatia, this hour, we're going to the sportsbook side of things. We got Matt Holt joining us. We've got Chuck Esposito. And we'll, we'll talk about the NFL, a little college football. But we'll start with a little World Cup because I know my man Matt Holt is very intrigued and very versatile, just like me. What's going on, Matt? TC, how we doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. So did you catch a little of that debacle from uh, Team USA earlier today? I certainly watched the uh, I watched the all entirety of both two games this morning, the Netherlands and USA. And you know, I don't know if it's a debacle. I guess it depends on your expectations. From Team USA, I guess I have lower expectations than most coming into this, but um, expectations were high for this team, and and they certainly were a significant favorite today, and failed to get it done as the draw gets home at around plus two hundred. Yeah, and here's why I say it's a debacle, Matt, because well, first of all, they they were favored, like you said, over a Wales team, and I I get it. Team USA has one of the youngest rosters in this World Cup, and they haven't been to a cup in eight years, but. They've been building for this, and they're in a group where they actually could get out of the group. It should be them and England. I mean, Iran's nothing special. Wales is nothing special. We saw that Wales is is void of scoring. And when you jump out to a 1-0 lead and you control the game as much as they did, then, yeah, it, that's a debacle because, as you know, with only three opportunities you know, in this group stage – you have to win the first. Teams that win the first match, they go on to the knockout stage 90% of the time. And when you get away with a draw, then your, your chances are cut in half. And then obviously, you know, you don't make it in if you lose your first match. This is a match they had and they look to be the better team and they let one get away. Yeah, they sure did. And I don't know how that bodes moving forward. As uh, certainly not going to be easy to come out of that group, and we'll have to just see what you know how it goes moving forward. Um, you know, I've seen sort of a mixed bag from the books in terms of you know following for USA. I know that there was a ton of action on USA today, um, and that the books did really, really well with this particular game. But from what I heard, most of the future betting, like odds to win the World Cup. Uh, that a lot of the bets on the USA were in the five, ten, twenty dollar range. So I don't know how much confidence there was that hey, maybe this team could go all the way at long odds. But you're right, fans really, fans and betters alike, which I guess are the same nowadays, really got behind this team today. And a disappointing result for them is they not only let up a goal for the draw, but they came really close to allowing a really late goal in extra time and. Uh, Losing this game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's make no mistake about it. I mean, the USA isn't going to, you know, win the World Cup and, and probably even get to anything, you know, past the, uh, the quarterfinals. But, you know, again, when, when you have these opponents like this, when you get like a draw, it's like, okay, well, England's going to be tough. But then when you got, you know, other, other two, 
uh, countries in there that you feel, okay, we can compete with. We should be able to beat these guys. And again, I'm just saying it's a debacle for the way they played. Uh, and again, and then they, they committed a penalty when you can't do that, you know, uh, especially late in the second half. And, uh, you know, you give up a, a penalty kick. So just, uh, you know, disappointing from that aspect, but you're right. Yeah. Expectations are probably not, uh, that high at all, uh, for them. But in a game like this, hey, they, they, they were favored. So, uh, they burned uh, a, a lot of tickets and I think they burned a lot of, uh, you know, for the casual just soccer fans or the diehard soccer fans. They're thinking, Hey, this was, this, this is a game we should have won. So. I'll tell you what would have made it a debacle, TC, is when the goalie almost comes out to midfield at the end and heads (laughs) that ball directly to Wales' best scorer, and USA was forced to just basically tackle him and take a yellow card, because if they didn't tackle that guy right there, he was going to kick it right over the goalie's head, and Wales was going to win this thing 2-1. to Yeah, 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 that would have been uh, crazy. What's the bigger story there, Matt? That or, you know, banning all the alcohol that we kind of talked about last week uh, there, especially when you have, you know, Budweiser uh, contributing $75 million. They got a $75 million sponsorship deal. They got the poor rights and everything. And then, you know, the agreement between FIFA and the organizers there in Qatar was like, oh, no, no, we're, we're going to let you sell. It's like, nope, nope, nope. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, not part of our morals. Last uh, 11th hour, they say no alcohol. Yeah, that was unbelievable. <clears throat> and I'm sure Budweiser legally is looking into what ramifications or what they're able to do now litigiously to make sure that they recoup some of that money, which could be challenging over there in that country, but uh, very surprising. And um, yeah, certainly, certainly a topic for discussion is, is that money was funneled in and then all of a sudden they had the rug pulled out from them last minute. Yikes. Not good. Yeah, not good. All right. So we know that there's a lot of challenges with uh, this World Cup being over in Qatar, especially in November. Uh, there were scandals there about, you know, talking about members being bribed, going back to Seth Blatter, uh, back in, tw- in, in 2010. And then he's now been re- removed as head of FIFA. And he was saying, yeah, it, it was a mistake. How, how closely are you watching this from like, say a betting scandal? Because as we know, in these international events, Matt, whether it's World Cup or, you know, international tennis and, and some of these other offshoot ones, I mean, the betting is, is large as we know. Maybe not so much here in the United States, but, but, you know, across the world, betting is huge here. Uh, how close to eye are you and your company, you know, you know, keeping, uh, an eye on the legalized sports betting here and potential scandals for, for World Cup? Well, we're part of a joint task force here with several European agencies, you know, the FBI and, um, you know, FIFA and several European integrity and enforcement agencies that are all sort of, you know, trying to work together here to communicate, you know, what we see. And there's constantly things coming up. I'm sure, like most people, you saw the rumors leading into the weekend that there had been $7.3 million worth of payoffs to the Ecuadorian team to lose that match 1-0. And, of course, whether that was really true or not, who knows, even if it was true, with so much media coverage of it, the Ecuadorian team certainly wasn't going to go through with it. It ended up winning 2-0, but... Um, you know, there's more money bet on the World Cup than the Super Bowl and March Madness combined. And with that much activity, 
there's always going to be rumors, there's always going to be stories, and, and it, we put a lot of manpower and resources to running these stories down, to making sure that those type of things aren't happening, what we heard with Ecuador and Qatar. Of course, it didn't happen, but uh, yeah, we have to pay very close attention. No, and you're right, and that puts things in, in great perspective here, because a lot of fans here are not big soccer fans, and they may not bet on soccer on a regular basis, but you're right. I mean, from a betting perspective, I mean, it is it is the king of all sports, and from a betting you know, side too, it is. I mean, there's much more betting that goes on uh, across the world than just, you know, in the state of Nevada. And now, obviously, now what uh, we're up to, what, what, 43, 44 states that we have illegally, you know, in the United States. But, you know, surprisingly enough, though, I mean, you know, there is a lot of betting at the sports book here locally uh, on this World Cup. Oh, absolutely. And it's not a surprise. What we've seen historically is that there always is tremendous betting on the World Cup. What I think works out here time-wise a little bit as well is that these events are played in the morning when there's nothing else going on over here, especially in the Pacific time zone. So on the East Coast, we're now betting legal in New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania, all the most populated states up there. They're able to get up at normal hours, place bets on all the games, watch them all. And even on the Pacific time frame, you know, if you get up early, you can catch all three. But it's pretty easy to still get up and at least catch the two later games. And there's no competition, really, for them. So it's kind of like having an isolated national TV game. And what we do know is that anytime there's a nationally televised isolated football game, Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night, those games do amazingly well and handle, so it's not a surprise that a nationally televised, isolated morning game is also going to do inflated numbers. All right. Matt Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity. Uh, speaking of, of betting scandals, or that's a strong word there, but you know what I'm saying, just as far as maybe some inadequacies and some other tendencies, uh, I've been wanting to talk with you about a couple, uh, for the last couple of weeks about a UFC uh, bout going back to two weekends ago where there was uh, some question marks. So there was some heavy, heavy betting on um, a UFC bout. Why don't you go into to that a little bit about this uh, suspicious action that we saw there? Yeah, you know, and I can't really comment on an ongoing investigation other than to say that we received reports from operators of some suspicious wagering activity, and and then we then sent out the alert to all the other operators and re- received quite a bit of information back from them, and there's an ongoing interva- inter- investigation now into that, that fight, and it has a lot of layers to it, and um, it'll be interesting to see where where it ends up. I I think that for the people following it very closely, they've already seen some, you know, some instances of you know some of the organizations that are probably going to step in, including the Nevada State Athletic Commission, already sort of taking some action. But we'll see what the conclusion ends up being. Here, we never want to insinuate that anybody did anything wrong until an investigation concludes itself and. Unfortunately, can't comment a whole lot until that investigation kind of plays itself out. 
Yeah, and I, I respect that and understand that. So, but for, for our listeners that are wondering what we are talking about, it was, and I'm not going to ask Matt to, to comment any further, but just to kind of set the tone, there was a UFC, you know, fight that was here in Las Vegas going back two weekends ago. And we saw one fighter that, uh, was a, a roughly a $2 favorite and the odds, you know, swelled up to over four. Uh, dollars in with about a couple hours leading up to the fight because uh, one of the fighters, the the opponent there, was uh, heard to have had a significant knee injury and heavy, heavy money, uh, you know, came in on on the fight. Uh, the fighter who didn't have the injury and uh, we had a stoppage in the first round, and then there was also many, many bets that thought this fight would go under two and a half rounds, and obviously uh, they cashed tickets. So I mean, without even, I don't know what you can say or what you can't say about it, Matt, but just were were the books uh, able to cash those tickets, or was betting halted? Um, and, and I guess it's different in different situations and in different states, um, depending on what happened. And uh, I think a lot of bets got through. Some probably got rejected after the alerts went out, and some certainly probably um, are still being held pending investigation. But you know, some of what made this one interesting wasn't the amount of bets that came in on the fight or even the total, but for the exact result for that other fighter to exactly win by first round knockout. And, um, you know, it's important for people to know that, you know, uh, while you know, we don't always see these things or know how they go, but that there's people watching all the time and with the cooperation of the leagues and the operators and the regulators and independent integrity organizations, uh, like U.S. integrity, that most of the time we're going to hunt these down. And for people that are trying to manipulate the ending of any events, we just hope that we can catch them in time, stop the betting, and and be a deterrent for any of you know nefarious activity that people may be considering trying to do. And, and it's not a surprise that we see a lot, TC, and it doesn't mean that our sports are suddenly inundated with match fixing. What it means is we have an industry in North America now that's a 200, you know, right now, that by the end of next year, there will be $200 billion legally wagered between Canada, the United States, and Puerto Rico. And, and when any time you're dealing with those type of numbers, the 200 to $300 billion numbers, people are going to try to take advantage of things. And um, with the cooperation of everybody involved, hopefully we can catch them and stop them. And this was the fear from leagues and other people who are anti-sports betting and gambling that, oh, these things are, 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 are going to happen, you know, so rapidly now. And think about what you just said, $200 billion. That is insane. But for the most part, man, correct me if I'm wrong here, we really don't see that much nefarious activity, do we? I mean, for, for the amount of money that's being bet and as many more people that are now legally betting, we, we really don't hear, uh, about a whole bunch of scandals that, you know, prognosticators thought that we would hear when they were so afraid going back 10, 20, 30 years ago, right? Uh, no, I think the transparency of, of, you know, the data that, you know, the independent integrity companies have access to, the cooperation of the regulators, we've done a good job here of deterring it. And when you look at the number of alerts that are sent out, the number of investigation, the number of instances of potential match fixing and manipulation of potential portions of the game, we're seeing a significant lower percentage of those in North America than we do in some of the other jurisdictions. 
And I think that's a testament to the operators, to the, uh, the type of information that's available. I could tell you this, it'd be a heck of a lot harder, TC, to catch any of these folks if all of the betting outside Nevada was done underground than with that betting done at legal sports books where we can get data and information. That transparency is the biggest key in order to identifying and deterring people from, from that type of activity. Let me ask you this, and this is kind of off the beaten path here, but when we're talking about, you know, legal, not only just legalized sports betting, but just the way it's accepted in society now with all of the television networks are now, you know, promoting it and they have partnerships with these, with these various sports books. Do you think that, say, what happened with Pete Rose when it did? If this happened today, would people be more lenient? With this, because remember the hardball stance and, you know, it, it, it cost Pete Rose from getting in the Hall of Fame. But just, you know, I know if this question is even probably impossible to even answer. But if we had something like that now, would it be just treated the way it, the Pete Rose situation was 30, 40 years ago? I don't know if the public sentiment would be the same now as it was then. I mean, there was sort of an outcry then more than there is now. We certainly accept gambling in our lives much more, uh, you know, overarching than we ever did back then. But I mean, we, when we look at the instances of, of things that happened, Calvin Ridley got suspended a year for making a couple of little tiny parlays. And so I still think that the leagues are acting aggressively the the leagues are acting appropriately and strictly anytime there are any gambling related issues so i don't know that the leagues are any more or less lenient now that the gambling's part of the fabric of society i do think the public sentiment will be less the public outcry might be less but at the end of the day i think leagues are still taking a pretty strong stance and if the information was the same he did exactly what he did then now I think he certainly would have received some type of ban, suspension, or, or something stern punishment from the league as well. A great point about Calvin Ridley, right? Because not a lot of people talk about that, but that guy's suspended for, for gambling on games. Matt Holt joins us, U.S. Integrity. All right, Matt, on the NFL side here, uh, favorites 7-6 uh, and six so far in the uh, 13 games we saw dating back to Thursday and then and then Sunday. We've got one more game tonight. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But uh, second week in a row, Basically, favorites and dogs have been pretty split. How do you think it was for betters and books? Yeah, look, and the over-unders were pretty split, too, yep. right? We right. ended up with a very similar um, number of underdogs and over and, over and unders. I think, you know, it depends on the book in this case and, and the state, actually, because we saw some really popular favorites uh, in some cases win but not cover. The Chiefs failed to cover. They're always a popular side. The Buffalo Bills actually did. So, you know, one of the more popular teams in football this year ends up getting home. Pittsburgh Steelers, who we know they always take big action in that Pennsylvania area and are one of the more popular teams in the country, didn't cover. You know, Cincinnati was actually not the most popular favorite. I mean, they opened five and a half, close three or three and a half. Very popular underdog in Pittsburgh didn't get home. Dallas Cowboys, there there might not be a more popular team in football, period, regardless of their record, had the most impressive performance yesterday. That was probably really bad for some books in certain areas. So what we ended up seeing yesterday was sort of a mixed bag. And depending on when you bet Cleveland, that last-minute touchdown yes. might really meant something to you. So. 
I mean, it was sort of a mixed bag yesterday, and uh, I think it was pretty even in terms of we said, hey, who won yesterday, the betters or the bookies? Boy, I think it was really close. I don't think anybody uh, made a killing or, or took a beating yesterday. And the Raiders game seemed to you know, have some good two-way action. We heard there was a lot of sharp money on Denver earlier on, but the game closed at two and a half, where pretty much it was Denver three for, well, I guess I think it even opened like one and a half or so, then it got Denver got bet up to three, then it came down a little bit, and then the Raiders end up winning this game uh, outright 22 to 16 in a game that the Denver pretty much you know controlled throughout. Yeah, and that's a perfect example, TC, of a game in a place like Colorado and in places like New Jersey and New York, where you're right, we heard a lot of reports and saw a lot of heavy, sharp action on the Denver side. But here in Nevada, we saw a lot of books drop below three to two and a half. Vegas is a very popular side. Uh, and I'm sure they took a lot of Raiders money and the Raiders got it done. So I'm sure Nevada wasn't as happy with that result as maybe Colorado or even New York, New Jersey were. So some of it's really starting to become more regionally dependent. And the days of being able to say, well, did the books win or lose on a holistic view of the entire country on weeks where it's really close, you really will get split where you'll have some books say, hey, we did great. Here's a couple of key games that went our way. And then you'll have other states that go, boy, we just didn't do so great. The betters got us because the Raiders came back and won or this and that. And I imagine the 49ers tonight, you know how many California folks we have that A, moved here recently in the last three years, but B, also come over to bet the more popular games. I'm sure the books are going to need Arizona heavy tonight with no Kyler Murray, a lot of attention, a lot of San Fran fans in this area. Uh, this is a big swing game here. May not be as big of a swing game in some other states. All right. Speaking of which, uh, the game is in Mexico City, and the Niners playing the Cardinals in this one. We know the Cardinals, despite them getting a victory last year, last week with Colt McCoy against the Rams. Uh, Rams didn't have Matt Stafford. Wofford was quarterback in there. Uh, but then you know Colt McCoy didn't come out of that game uh, real healthy uh, as well. So I don't know how healthy either one are. But I don't. I said this last week, Matt. That I would probably. This sounds really strange, but I really mean this. I think if Colt McCoy is healthy, I'd rather have Colt McCoy than I would uh, Kyler Murray, uh, especially with Murray being banged up. But it just seems like this guy gets the ball out of his hands quicker. He's a veteran. He's 36 years old, and he seems to have a better command of the offense. I know Kyler Murray can give you these great dynamic plays, but he has not been good for the better part of this year. A 100% healthy Colt McCoy with DeAndre Happy with DeAndre Hopkins back and healthy, certainly looked the part last week of a guy who, to your point, was able to get the ball out quick, which is important with their offensive line issues, and was able to sort of, you know, matriculate the ball down the field over and over again. The problem is this week, TC, is are we getting a healthy Cole McCoy? He is going to start, but he did get knocked out of that game. Losing Zach Ertz, I think, is going to hurt them a little more than people realize. He was starting to become an integral part of that offense. You know, Hollywood Brown might be coming back tonight. He might be okay off the foot injury. Um, just a lot of question marks, I feel like, tonight with the Arizona Cardinals team. Yeah, all right. And current line, on, I know that line was hovering around eight, Matt, but I saw it jump up a little bit uh, in some spots, too. Yeah, that's all the way up to 10 now. Almost. <laughs> 
across the board. Double-digit favorite. As soon as they announced Kyler Murray officially out today, we saw that thing go from 8 to 10. And now, and you know, double-digit favorites on the end. And this isn't even a double-digit home team. And I don't think it matters, TC. In the NFL, you do not make money long-term betting double-digit favorites. But now you're talking about a double-digit favorite on a neutral field. Wow. A lot of love for the Niners tonight. They are going to be in every parlay, every money line parlay, every teaser. The books could really use an Arizona. An Arizona upset tonight outright would be a huge swing game for the book. If the Niners win and cover, it could be one of those weeks where we say the betters got them. There we go. All right, man, before we let you go, I love talking college football with you. And uh, we saw some great games over the weekend. We had some shocking ones, too. None more than South Carolina blasting Tennessee 63-38. to uh, Tennessee now on the outside looking in. I think that they're done at this point in time. And plus, Hendon Hooker got injured as well. But how shocked were you to see a 22-and-a-half-point favor in Tennessee getting drilled the way they did? Yeah, unbelievable that they gave up 60 in that game. I feel so bad for Hendon Hooker, who had such an amazing season that he tore his ACL. That was really sad. He was the story of the season, but you're 100% right. Tennessee's done. I'll tell you what was a great thing yesterday was betting teams in the look-ahead spot. Ohio State looking ahead to Michigan, don't cover. Michigan looking ahead to Ohio State. Don't cover. I mean, that seemed to be the trend yesterday. North Carolina looking ahead to Clemson. Didn't even get the win as a 21-and-a-half point favorite. The look-ahead spot was real this past week. And suddenly, for the first time in, I guess, seven years, we're looking at the potential that if if USC can win out, especially if Ohio State beats Michigan, it is likely we might actually sneak a team from the Pac-12 into the CFP. Yeah, it could happen. And I expect USC to win out with Notre Dame on tap, and then USC will be here in Las Vegas uh, at the uh, Pac-12 championship game at Allegiant Stadium. And we know, Matt, they're going to be favored no matter who they play. That Oregon battle in the Pac-12 title game is going to be tough, though, TC. Assuming Oregon gets by Oregon State next week, that is going to be a heck of a ball game with USC and Oregon with a lot on the line. And when is the last time we had a big college football game here in Vegas that actually had CFP ramifications on the line? I can't remember one. But I am so excited. I am praying that USC beats Notre Dame and sets up that huge showdown with CFP on the line here in Las Vegas. You're right. Absolutely correct. Looking forward to that. All right, Matt. I appreciate the time as always. Uh, Great stuff as usual. And we'll talk to you real soon. Have a very happy Thanksgiving uh, with you and the family. And uh, I I know how much... uh, uh, you you love to eat that turkey and and get and get a little exotic, uh, you know, with uh, some uh, some some good dishes as well too, man. So so eat well, my friend, on Thursday throughout the weekend. Yeah, I appreciate it, TC. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Best of luck this weekend, my friend. Take care. You got it, brother. There he is, Matt Holt, my man, for a long, long time. Uh, again, uh, VP back in the day at uh, one of the major sports books in town, started his own company a couple years back. Uh, We love talking about uh, what he does at U.S. Integrity, monitoring all of these different uh, sports leagues uh, and venues as well, too. And uh, great to have him part uh, of our show and part of our team. All right, we come back. 
Another one of our tag team partners, Chuck Esposito, over at Red Rock. We talk about the NFL, college football, World Cup, and tonight's Monday Night Football game. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. Now, I'm taking this as an insult that you're playing. Why are you playing Bear Down when the Bears lost again yesterday? Go Bears! Their quarterback gets hurt. And they stink. Go Bears! I, and I'm not sure you're getting a smile on the face of the biggest Bear fan in Las Vegas, Chuck Esposito. I don't, I don't think he's wearing his Bear sweater today or anything, dumb Chuck. I, I didn't do this, Chuck. I'm just letting you know right now. This isn't me. I'm hurt. I almost hung up on you guys, see, you know. That's not a good way to start, you know. See? I'm, you know, the, I'm okay kind of where they're at because, I, you know, as we talked about all year, I wanted to see growth out of Justin Fields, and I've seen that, and the development of some of the young players. They currently are in the third overall draft slot. Uh, they've got more money projected than any team in free agency. So there's definitely some positive signs, but uh, nothing to get too worked up about lately as they're on a four-game losing streak. Oh, so man, I know. I'll kind of leave it as that. But, uh, you know, I-, I knew when the music popped on, I mean, it was like, man, I must have really done something bad to somebody over there. I'm sorry. See? It, I, was, it was all me. There it is. There you go. That's it's it. all good, you, buddy. You it's better, all good. You better have the disclaimer there. I had nothing to do with that. I mean, that's it. I, <laughs> the funny thing is he actually told me not to play it. I was like, oh, I'm going to I anyway. go, what is that? He goes, I'm no going to play Bear Down. Don't I go, worry. Don't you know. That. Jeez. I guess it could have been worse. You could have played the Super Bowl Shuffle, you know? <laughs> Or you could have played the, uh, the, the the Packers uh, song, you know. That that wouldn't have gone over too well with you. Uh-oh. You know, hey, they're not a playoff team right now. I'm not all too disappointed about the, of course. the, the Packers' uh, fate of late. So uh, yeah. I'm all good. I'm all good. What is, up, what is up, Chuck, with the NFC North, as I still like to say, the Central, right? So the Vikings look horrendous yesterday. The Lions look like the better team uh, than anybody right now. Uh, in that division, they've won three in a row. Packers, pathetic. And, well, we already talked about the Bears, but, wow. Is there is there ever been a worse 1-8 team going into that game Sunday with the Vikings against the Cowboys? You mean an 8-1 team? You know, there we go. See, that's what yeah. I think of the Vikings, Chuck. When I had the yeah. Houston Texans on my mind at 1-8-1, and, and you're right. 8-1 and one Vikings, but they... They look like the Houston Texans yesterday, so thank you very much. Yeah, they, they did get beat handily, T. I mean, I thought all year that, um, the, you know, the, the Giants and, and the Vikings had some serious kind of question marks, and even the Seahawks a little bit in the NFC. Granted, they've all been somewhat overachievers. They've all, you know, I thought the Vikings could win the North, though, coming in, because I knew there was issues with, with Green Bay, but they really haven't lit it up this year. There's been, you know, spurts where Justin Jefferson has looked really good, spurts where Cook or or um, Cousins have looked good, but I thought they weren't as good as their record. But, hey, going into yesterday, they still have the second-best record in the NFC. They still have that, and they still would have one of the two buys right now. Um, so they're, or, or at least they have the second-best record, and they're in a position to get the buy right now. Um, but, uh, hey, that whole division right now, it's hard to believe that the team with the current longest winning streak 
in the entire NFC is the Detroit Lions. I know, right? Uh, so, you know, Chuck, we got Thanksgiving, you know, football. I think this is the first time maybe in our lifetime, or at least in recent memory, that we're going to go into a a Thanksgiving Day game where the Detroit Lions will have a three-game win streak intact here. So this actually well, may be some must-see TV on Thursday. They have a three-game winning streak intact. However, they are almost double-digit favorites at home, or double-digit underdogs, no, I should say, right. at home in the early game. So they are playing well. Um, Buffalo has not of late played well. They just don't look like the, the same Bills team that kind of had that swagger early in the season. I always look for a team that, you know, is kind of getting healthy at the right time, playing good, but has that swagger. And it, for whatever reason, it's missing from Buffalo right now, although they still are, you know, one of the best teams in football record-wise. They currently sit behind the Dolphins. They're a wild-card team, and I know we discussed it last week. A lot of things for me will be different if they don't win the AFC East. Lions are playing good. Um, most of their games at home have been over the total because they're coming from behind. They did that earlier this year against the Eagles. They had some other games where they put a lot of points on the board. I think this number will tick up a bit, T. I think the Lions are live in the game, but I do think we're going to be rooting for the Lions uh, come Thursday morning. Yeah, I think you're right. And again, we got Thursday football, uh, Buffalo and Detroit. Uh, the line uh, nine right now, Buffalo in the total, like Chuck mentioned, the high one at 54. And then we've got the Giants and the Cowboys, and we also have the Patriots and the Vikings. And really, Chuck, you know, we, we've got some intriguing games. I don't know, uh, you know, last week, you know, going at this time, you could say the Giants and the Cowboys was intriguing. But after what each team did or didn't do yesterday, the Giants getting drill pressed on their home field, uh, yesterday to was, was downright embarrassing what we saw. And then the Cowboys, what they did to Minnesota. So therefore, I believe that's why we got a nine point line. But, uh, I don't think we would have had a nine point line if uh, those two results didn't happen yesterday. No, I, you know, the Giants are definitely beat up, T. They lose Robinson, yeah. uh, young wideout for the year. I know offensive line-wise, they're, they're, they're beat up pretty bad. Um, I think if you had looked at this line, say, two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, it would have been under a touchdown. Uh, now it's almost double-digit. They're actually a larger underdog right now than, than the Lions are. Um, and you're right, it's two teams trending the opposite way. I think you look at this Cowboy team at 7-3, and three, they're awfully good. I mean, they... they they have the ingredients to, to be a team that can go deep into the playoffs and win it all um, because they can run the ball with Pollard and Zeke. They play phenomenal defense. Uh, you don't have to ask Dak to win every game. Um, you know, they're, they're one of the teams, supposedly one of two teams, who they're playing each other, Giants and Cowboys, who was in a serious run for uh, OBJ. I think if the Cowboys are able to add him and you have Gallup and, and CeeDee Lamb and Schultz with that running game and Dak, it just makes that team so much better. Um, but I think the Cowboys are really good. Um, you know, at 7-3, and three, the only kind of hiccup would be that they've already lost once to the Eagles. Um, they trail them by two games right now. And if you look at tiebreakers, it's more like three games. And being a wild card team where you have to play every game on the road, again, is really, really tough. Uh, when the postseason rolls around. It's not impossible, but it's, it, it, it's much tougher than having a couple of games at home. So, uh, But I think they're really good. And, again, for me, when you can run the ball 
and you can play defense like they can play, led by Micah Parsons, those are the ingredients to teams that can move on and play deep into January and early February. Yeah, we talked about Minnesota just, uh, you know, 8-1 and one came, in, came into that game yesterday, and the Giants were 7-2. and two. Uh, Both teams were sitting at home, but, uh, yeah, we saw that uh, both uh, could be considered frauds uh, at this point in time, and then they'll both be – uh, coming up, um, you know, playing again, uh, this week. So the Patriots will be playing the Vikings. Uh, Vikings, a three point choice in this game. That'll be the Thursday night game on Thanksgiving night. Chuck, how do you handicap that game with the Patriots and the Vikes? You know, I'm not sure, T, to be honest with you. We've had some internal discussions. My guess is we're going to need the Lions or the Giants to win one of the first two games, um, that day just to, to kind of give us a shot. Um, I, I think the late game, you can make a case kind of for both teams. If you're the Vikings and you just came off this walloping at home, what do you want to do? You want to get back on the field as soon as you can. They play a Patriot team that, you know, wins ugly like they did yesterday. Um, they, they don't give up a lot of points. I think they, they may be giving up the, the fewest points in the, uh, uh, in the AFC right now. They play defense. They don't ask Mac Jones to do a lot. They're going up against a dynamic offense when all things are, are clicking. I'm not sure who we're going to need that night. My guess is we might need the Patriots a little, but a lot's going to be contingent on what happens in the first two games. You know, going back to that Buffalo-Detroit game, which will kick things off on Thanksgiving morning, 9.30 Pacific kickoff, the uh, Bills, I think, were surprised a lot of people because the reason why they were playing that game in Detroit because they were having a Thanksgiving Day game in Detroit. So a lot of people thought that the Bills were just going to stay in Detroit. They ended up getting on a plane last night, Chuck, and they flew back to Buffalo, and then they're going to get back on a plane on Wednesday morning to leave Buffalo to come back. And I know it's not a real long flight, but... It just seems a little bit strange that the Bills wouldn't want to just, you know, stay put in practice there in Detroit. Yeah, I'm a little surprised, T. We again, we we chatted about it. We thought for sure they would stay, just because of the, you know, you're you're still traveling back and forth and the time consuming. You could have just stayed um, in Detroit, but that's the decision they made. Um, again, for me, they are a really good team. They're seven and three. Um, they still are, are a little bit too much one dimensional. Although Cook and, and, and Singletary seemed to have really good games yesterday, I think they need to be able to run the ball a little bit more. Um, but uh, similar to the Cowboys, if they don't win the AFC East, I think everything changes if they become a wild card team. Not that they can't win on the road, but it's just a much more difficult task. And what a home field advantage to make teams come to have to play in those elements in Buffalo, in Orchard Park in late January. Um, but uh, they chose to, you know, to, to go back to Buffalo, and of course that's that's their prerogative. And uh, they're playing against a very kind of young, hungry, and kind of a hot Detroit Lions team right now. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, intriguing with all three games uh, for those reasons that we discussed uh, coming up on Thursday. Chuck, we have a game uh, tonight with the Niners and the Cardinals. Uh, a lot of one-sided action. I imagine uh, since the announcement that Kyler Murray was not going to play and uh, Colt McCoy is not 100% uh, himself here, we've seen uh, the Niners, an eight-point uh, choice, I guess got bet-, bet up now to hovering around 10. Uh, give us some thoughts on, on the game tonight. Remember, it is in Mexico City as well, too. So i got a feeling there's going to be a lot of Niner fans. Uh, it'll be kind of treated as a home game because uh, we know there's a lot of uh, – 
Niner fans there in Mexico. But uh, give us your thoughts about the injury status and where this line is sitting right now and the action that has come in over the last few hours. It, it was definitely elevated all week, T, um, not knowing for sure if either Hopkins or Murray would play. Um, kind of got the, the word this morning that Hop was going to give it a go, um, but Murray would not. Um, it's a Niner team that, for me, although they're 5-4, and four, I still make them the favorite in the NFC West. I still couple them in with the Eagles and Cowboys as one of the three best teams in the NFC. So I think they, they, they've been kind of underachievers. I think they're more of a team that is built for the postseason because we talked about the Cowboys, and I think they're very similar where they can run the ball now with McCaffrey and Mitchell. Um, they can use Debo in that role as well. They don't ask Garoppolo to win every game. They run the ball. They've got guys like Samuel and Ayuk and Kittle. They play really good defense. And I think, again, those are the ingredients to get you deep in the postseason. Unfortunately, they're only five and four. Uh, but for me, uh, you, you know, you put them in Seattle on a neutral field. They are clearly the favorite. I still think they win the NFC West. And we're clearly Cardinal fans tonight, no question. All right. Uh, looking forward to that, to the Niners and the Cardinals. And we know that there's probably a lot of uh, teaser bets and money line parlays uh, rolling over to the Niners tonight, right? Yeah, there's no question. There's some liability going to the Niners. Um, not exactly, you know, a, a great Sunday for our side of the counter. I think early in the day, the only game that we really won was the Lions-Giants game. Um, however, it was the biggest early game. Late in the day, lose the uh, Bengals-Steelers game, and the public was really all over the Cowboys, as we kind of mentioned, against the Vikings. But we were able to win the Raider game. Uh, the public who had backed the Raiders in every game this year finally got off them somewhat. We were higher in ticket counts and, and higher in money bet on the Broncos, yet the Raiders were able to win that game, which was good for us. But uh, definitely a much better Sunday for the guests. And uh, we, do, we do have some liability kind of tied to both teams where best-case scenario for us tonight would be uh, somehow the Cardinals with Colt McCoy actually winning the game. The uh, favorites, 7-6, uh, and six. Chuck, uh, going back to Thursday night's uh, Green Bay Tennessee game, and then incorporate all the games uh, yesterday. Seven and six for the favorites. Really, that's the second week in a row we had talked about the the you know basically even between dogs and favorites. I think, T, when it's this late in the season now, you, you definitely start to see the teams that are looking at the postseason, and you know who are the good teams, and the teams that you know are kind of just going through the motions right now. Um, and you, you've got a, a lot of good teams that are kind of jockeying for position. We know they've added the extra playoff spots, um, you know, in both conferences. So I think you're going to see teams that have a shot at the wild card really kind of pressing it up right now. Um, and teams that are hovering around 500 might not be eliminated because of the extra uh, playoff spots. But you're clearly seeing kind of that divide of the really good teams and the teams that are that are really kind of struggling right now. And it's such a quarterback-driven league, and it's going to be a deep quarterback class, at least at the top, um, you know, in next April's draft. Anxious to see how it all unfolds because there's just been some really – bad offensive play so far. I'm just going to point one thing out to you, T. The Denver Broncos are 3-7. and seven. Had they averaged 18 points a game this year or more, the Denver Broncos would be 9-1. and one. Had they averaged just the league average of what offensive teams have been producing this year, they'd be 6-4. and four. I think that screams volumes of how good that Denver defense is and how bad Russell Wilson and that Denver offense has been.
No, you're right about that, Chuck. And in going back to that Raider Bronco game there yesterday, like we said, you know, the, we saw Raider action, uh, you know, you know, come in, you know, earlier on. Then it seemed like maybe a little Denver money came. I believe didn't the Raiders close under three yesterday at two and a half. And here's a game where the Raiders never led in this game until the final play of the game. And really Russell Wilson probably played his best game of the year, but Broncos mistakes cost him. Melvin Gordon with the fumble. I mean, think about that, Chuck. It was 10-7 at halftime. Should have been worst case scenario, 13-7, probably 17-7 in charge of, uh, in favor of the Broncos. And then Raiders probably do not come back, especially if it's 17 to 7, the way that thing unfolded. And they had all that momentum going into, uh, you know, halftime. Instead, they were like hanging their head and just gave the Raiders life. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Russell Wilson did play a better game, but I think that final drive when they had the ball, his uh, inability to keep the clock running on that third down yeah. really gave the Raiders, you know, uh, although they had no timeouts, they had a minute and 51 seconds left now. It could have been right around a minute or less had Denver managed the clock better. Um, he just looks like he's not that same quarterback. I think so much was for him was dependent on his ability to scramble, to play a little bit schoolyard. He doesn't seem to have the same legs that he did when he was with Seattle. I mean, he had great receivers there, um, you know, that, that really helped him produce a lot. And he's got a really good core of young receivers um, in Denver. Yet, for whatever reason, this has been the same thing over the last two, three, four years that Denver's defense has continued to be one of the best defenses in the league, yet their offensive deficiencies have really kept them back. And I think everybody felt when they made this big, you know, trade for Russell Wilson that that was going to flip. It just hasn't been the case for Denver. All right, uh, look ahead. Uh, let's real quick, Chuck. So the Raiders go on the road to Seattle uh, coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, what are you thinking? I'm going to tell you an interesting thing here, T. We had you know all the Raider games up before the season started, and we had the Raiders. I think as a six point favorite in this game at Seattle. This is the biggest flip of any one of their games, point spread-wise, the entire season. I think it's a product of Seattle playing so well right now, coming off their bye, being 6-4 at home. Um, Raiders finally got a road win uh, last week. Um, the number's a little over a field goal. Still think it's a lot of points. I think that the, there is some value there with the Raiders, and maybe they can at least right the ship somewhat and, and finish the season strong. But again, the biggest flip in point spread odds from what we had on all Raider games posted – prior to the start of this season. Chuck, one more look-ahead game, the big one, on Saturday between Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, give us some thoughts on, on that game, and we got uh, a, a pretty high point spread, really, on, on the Buckeyes because they're at home, right? Yeah, it, it's that. It's, uh, you know, the injury to, to the Michigan running back. I mean, there, there's just a, you know, it's a revenge game, as, as Michigan beat them last year. Um, both teams are really good. Um, I can see it being an ugly type game. You do have a high total on the game, um, but uh, but I, I think Ohio State at home here it's going to be be tough to beat. Not sure who we're going to need yet, T. But I think you're going to see some Michigan love as well with this number being over a touchdown. All right, he is Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. Get on over there, watch some Monday Night Football tonight. You got the great screens, you got the betting kiosks, f uh, comfortability galore, great food options there at Red Rock, and of course at all of the Station Casinos properties as well too. Uh, Went to one of our favorite spots last night in the family there, Chuck. I, I, I had my, my, my Wagyu steak over at, uh, at Hank's last night, man. I was looking for you. <laughs> Sounds awesome, buddy. Glad you, 
enjoyed one of our restaurants and, and had a good time. Hanks is phenomenal, as is, you know, T-Bones oh, and, yeah. and all the restaurants throughout our, uh, you know, enterprise. So that's great. Glad you had a good time, buddy. You know, man, I, I love all those restaurants at uh, all the properties. Uh, great stuff. All right, my friend, we'll enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll look forward to talking with you next week. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, Chuck, uh, to you, your family, and then uh, your work family and all our all the crew over there as well, too. Uh, make sure that uh, Jason Symbol is in charge of the turducken. Okay, make sure he, he's in charge of the turducken. You can tell him I said so. I will definitely do it. Same to you and your family, T, and, and everybody at the station and all the listeners. You know, happy Thanksgiving. I hope everyone gets to spend some time with their family, but I will definitely pass that on uh, to Mr. Stimble. <laughs> Take care, brother. Appreciate you. All right. You too, buddy. There it is. Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. Yeah. Play a little blues. Little Chicago blues. See, that's much. This, this is much better than any bear down that you can get. See, this is where you go, man. This is what I'm talking about. All right, I want to thank Chuck Esposito for joining us today. Matt Holt as well. And, of course, earlier on, the quarterback, Jay Shreda. The other quarterback, Steve Berline. He'll be joining us coming up this week. All right? Stay tuned. A couple programming notes. We will not be doing the show on Thursday. Nubchuck, you have to come up with something. I know where you're going to go. You know exactly what I was just about to ask. I know. You. We're gonna, we'll talk about it. So Thursday, we'll have something special for you. We'll have a best of for you. Maybe maybe some music. We'll see how that goes. 95% sure it's going to be music. Yeah. <laughs> really? Who's in charge here anyway? Uh, I guess so. All right. Miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Our Raiders recap is up there. Go check that out. Our interview on the homepage, our feature interview with uh, Darren Baker, Dusty's son, as uh, we talk about uh, life as the son of Dusty Baker. Great stuff with the guy that I've known for many, 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 many years, back to when he's a little boy, Darren Baker. That's up there. And then go to the interview pages, the classic interviews, the current interviews, all up there. Check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. So if you miss this show, any of the shows, go there into the podcast section or wherever you get your podcasts. Find it there as well, too. Have yourself a good one. Back at it again tomorrow with plenty of terrible Tuesday takes. Enjoy the game tonight. Hasta la vista. Bye-bye.